Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here. Happy to be back. Uh, doing some solo shows, catching up with you, catching up on life, how life happens, how recovery happens in life, all those good things. So today I want to talk about, I'm going through an experience right now. And I always love documenting like what's happening in the moment. And then, you know, I always have a point of reference for reflection. And this one's been, this one's been an interesting one. So where do I begin? The beginning, I guess, because this has to do with family relationships and how to handle the relationships we're in and I did not handle something right. Uh, At least, I guess sometimes there's not a right or wrong, but I did not handle something to the best of my ability, I don't think. So my 18-year-old niece and I have uh, continued to get closer and closer the last few years. She's freaking amazing. She's she's like the foundational reason I want to be a better human being. And I want to make the world a better place for her. Like, that's, that's like bottom line goal. And we're working on a project. We're working on a book together and that's where it's kind of ironic. So the premise of the book started, we were in Connecticut last year and she's, she's short, but she has a cute little figure on her. Um, she's got meat on her bones, but, and she has a chest and the book premise came from she wears outfits that are definitely out of my comfort zone and definitely out of my mother's comfort zone so we're at my mom's house and she comes downstairs and we're going to see a friend of mine up in new hampshire and i don't know politics but it's pretty clear that new hampshire i'll make a blanket statement didn't seem to be too crazy about um lgb qt i don't want to mess up the initials doesn't seem to be into that, wants to have guns, wants, um, has some very black and white beliefs and stuff. And uh, maybe my niece didn't fall into the bucket of perfect New Hampshire, but that's besides the point. I didn't learn that until after, but she comes downstairs and she's, you know, wearing a shirt that has some skin. You could see her belly, you could see her cleavage. Um, I'm not comfortable with skin in public anyway, whether it's her or anybody. And I knew that my mother would say something. And sure enough, uh, she did. Kai went to go kiss her goodbye. And mom's like, you're wearing that. And Kai's like, yep. And just like kind of went on about her business. So the weekend goes on. Uh, we have a great time, but she it, it's hot. It's summer. And, and that was pretty much how her wardrobe was. There was a lot of skin showing. And um, I try to be the cool aunt, but also like what's the point of just creating turmoil just for the sake of creating turmoil? But I did want to understand. So on the way home, I say to her, all right, Kai, like, you know, I'm not comfortable with these kind of outfits on anybody, but can you explain to me like what this is about? And her response was pretty much the foundation of the book. She knew something I did not know. And without her telling me, I probably would never know this perspective, right? So it's very important to listen, even when they're younger than us or maybe less experienced or whatever the thing is, just always go into things with an open mind would be my recommendation. 
So she says to me, I'm Bobby. I should be able to dress like this and not get sexually assaulted. And I was like, like my whole mind was blown. So it wasn't about her, like, and I think I know I've been guilty of this. You look at a girl, she's dressed a certain way and you're like, she's asking for trouble. Yeah, she's asking for trouble. Like it's just this automatic bullshit um, that for 40 something years, that's all I've known. Is, yep, she's looking for trouble or, oh, you know, like she shouldn't be wearing that or just all this judgment and all this stuff. <clears throat> and Kai's point was, wasn't about any of that. It's that she should be able to express herself and be safe in expressing herself. It's like, oh, so that's where the idea was born. So we've been working on this book together called My Teenage Mentor. So the way that we've been modeling this is we meet once a week and we have a conversation about a topic. We have a list of like 30 topics that we want to write about. And we have a very candid conversation. Now I will tell you, and I've not said this to her maybe as much as I should have leading up to this, but it's uncomfortable and it hurts my heart. Some of the things she's saying Um, It also makes me very proud of her that she's got past some of this stuff, but to learn about some of the things that she's experienced and she's telling me a hundred percent transparently and it's hard. It's hard to suck it up. Sometimes I'm not even a parent and I want to protect her. Like I just want to freaking protect her. I want to erase so many things that have happened to her, but I also through recovery, through what I've learned through her, through life experiences, I also know that it's her journey and each thing will lead to happening the way it's supposed to. That's the way my belief system goes now. Um, If you're uh, a a God person, maybe it's, you know, like God doesn't give you more than you can handle or, um, you know, sometimes there's, I I listen to Joel Olstein. Thank you, Frank, for introducing me to that podcast because it's very good, but um the messages just hit me sometimes, but Joel talks about often that like the worst comes and the, and the trick is to not give any, give up hope and faith um, that it it's all happening for a reason or that it'll work out the way it's supposed to. Um, and that's kind of what I've adapted as my way of thinking with the universe. So, so as part of our discussion, we've talked about her ex and her ex, she referred to to as her trauma bond. Um, It's no different than me being in love with who I've been in love with for the last five or six years. Um, The boys that aren't good for us for for many reasons, maybe they are good for us for some reasons, but they're not really good for us. They're not, um, they're just not in alignment. Alignment, like I said, is one of my favorite words. So they're not in alignment with us. And We've done in we've done our recordings on relationships, or as she calls them, situationships, which I guess is like a trendy new thing, or maybe it's really old and I'm just old and haven't heard of it. Um, but that's kind of like uh, I think it's beyond Netflix and chill. I think it's like uh, you could be dating or talking, or you talk to other people. I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of things going on that I don't really understand or that are different from when I was 18. Um, but anyway. Some of the things I've learned about this ex from her is, you know, everything from the gaslighting to uh, the mental abuse and the verbal abuse and manipulation 
and he's the one who got her uh, smoking weed in the first place. Her 17th birthday, she comes home to his house and uh, his mom ODs and has to have Narcan and stuff. Like this house is a drug infested freaking house in a drug infested neighborhood. Like it's actually like three blocks away from where I want to maybe a little more, but it's like in the neighborhood where I want to have three, two, one, because there's such a population that would benefit from jobs and sobriety and all of that. Um, but across the street from a methadone clinic, um, shootings, right? Like I'm uncomfortable driving in that neighborhood and through our conversations. And now that she's hundred percent honest with me, I learned these things. And I also learn um, back when she was in high school, she had kind of, uh, there was this whole family war thing and it had to do with where she was living. And I'm very confident now in hindsight with what she's told me that she did manipulate the situation a little. Um, and so that she could stay with this guy in this apartment and do drugs and pretty much nothing else other than work to support, to live in this place. And, um, I didn't know how long she was helping, like she's working to pay for rent and weed and food and survival and whatever. And she had options, but she kind of played us all. And I stood up for her back then. I was just like, she'll outgrow it. I could see the good in her. I could see the hope. I could have that faith, right? Like that she would get through it. I was like, okay, well, I smoked weed in high school or I made bad choices and I got through it. Here I am. I'm okay. I'm I'm clean. I'm sober and blah, blah, blah. So I've always looked at her that way. Like she was beyond that kind of life and she'd have to experience it. So we go through our weekly meetings and she pretty much tells me the same thing. She's the most self-aware person I know. And the fact that she's figured out how to be self-aware at 18 when it took me until my 40s um, is something I tell her all the time. I'm like, how do you even know this stuff to reflect upon it? But she's just so freaking bright and I don't know. So since she's moved out of there and um, she's moved to Florida and she's in a high school repeating her senior year because her mother moved her. Um, she left Connecticut before her driver's license. I let all of that go. I let all of it go. I'm just like, okay, I let her get her diploma. She seems to be happy in Florida. So at Christmas, um, she came up from Florida and I got in from wherever I was, Ohio or Kentucky or wherever. So there was her, me, my mother, and my brother uh, for Christmas. And it was the four of us. And it was actually probably one of the best Christmases in a while, as far as our version of Christmas goes. No drama, no fighting, no anything. However, while she was there, she went to go see this ex-boyfriend. And she didn't tell my mother about it. She told me just because she's, I'm supposed to be her safe place and she could tell me everything and there'll be no consequences, so to speak. I actually have to revisit what the definition of safe space and <laughs> repercussions looks like because of this most recent situation. And she basically told me it was for a booty call. Okay, cool. Go get the booty call. I get it. And I'm thinking she's safe. She's in Florida, right? She's, got, she's in a school. She's sending us art pictures. She's writing a book. She's thriving. Well, the day before I start leaving for California, I get a text from her, uh, you know, thanks for believing in me. Thanks for trusting me. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for being my safe space. Uh, 
I'm dropping out of school and I'm moving back with the guy. She didn't say dropping out of school. I'm just calling that out because it's a pain point. Like you only had two months left when you abandoned it in Connecticut. Now you only have a few months left and you're abandoning it again, like another three months. So um, this is what I want to talk about, the process, right? I had to just kind of give you the full story because this process has been ugly and uncomfortable for me and I'm trying and I'm still not through it, but I am at a place where I think I could talk to you without breaking down and crying. So I've given her the trust. She's been honest to me. I've supported her. Now the past is the past and we're using it for um, the sake of hopefully trying to help other parents and teenagers communicate with each other so that they don't feel as alone as she did during all that time. And maybe maybe somebody could be saved, you know, um, that's kind of our intention with the book. So what I didn't understand, like if I hadn't grown as close to her and I didn't know her and I didn't listen to her, I wouldn't know that she's mature and she knows better than to be with this guy. And by that, I mean, it's harmful. It's harmful. She declared it. It's harmful. Um, she does the drugs, you know, she'll smoke more weed. She'll um, just be in this bad situation physically in this apartment. Like, I don't think she's even seen my mother since she went back to Connecticut. Regardless, she's literally putting herself in danger, which is one thing when you don't know any better, right? Like I could get past all of her choices before because she didn't know better, but she's declared knowing better. She's explained to me what she's learned. She's the one teaching me about a trauma bond. And I've given her all this trust and respect until now. And basically when I first got the information, I I lost my mind. Quite honestly, I I started crying immediately. I was still at my mom's and I didn't want to get her upset. It wasn't my news to tell her. Um, So I was like, all right, let me process this. Um, Let me, let me digest it. Let me figure out how to handle this so that it doesn't blow up because this is, this is our thing. We can communicate. We can get past anything. And I talked to my counselor and I talked to my friend and I talked to another coach and I thought, and I processed and it took me a few days and we finally got to where we're jumping on zoom to have a conversation about it. And my strategy was going to be to ask for her perspective, right? Like, like the blouse story. She, she explained to me why she shows so much skin to take her power back. So I'm like, there's gotta be a reason. And she would tell me the reason, right? That's how I went into the conversation. Well, I was not prepared. And when I asked her why her answer was, it just feels right. It just feels right. Now, I believe in the universe and I believe in intuition and I believe in all these things. And I think part of what's always saved me is my logical part of me. I don't always think with my heart. Sometimes I do. A lot of times I do. But I I also have this logic brain. So my logic brain cannot get past the fact she knows better and is going back. It's not like a teenager girl that doesn't know any better. She knows better. She's told me she knows better. And yet she's making this choice. So part of my pain point is I gave her all this trust and acknowledgement on the front side. 
And this is the point she doesn't understand. So what happened on this phone call and this, she said the why. And um, I was like, I need more than that. Like, why now? What has he done? Like, she doesn't have a job. She doesn't have money. She doesn't have a license. He has a job. He doesn't have money. I find out on the call that they're actually moving to another state, which is even more scarier because then my mother isn't right up the road or her father right up the road. Um, so she basically couldn't provide answers. So the more silent she got, the more vocal I got, which is the part that I'm not so proud of. But I'm like, like, this makes me not trust you. This makes me like, you can't be in my circle. Like I'm thinking through the recovery lens now, like you can't be one of my fucking people. Like you're not in alignment with me. I I can't get behind this. And I told her I can't support this decision. Um, And not just emotionally, um, because I know it's so dangerous. Like it would be hypocritical of me to treat her different in my, my lens. Like if you're not good for me, or you're doing stuff, I just kind of take a step back. I'm not going to be involved in all that. I don't, I don't need to know you're getting high constantly. I don't need to know that. Like, I mean, I do, (laughs) I need to know that she's safe. Um, but I can't make that part of my life. And I thought I was doing the right things. And I thought she would understand when I was trying to explain it to her. But instead, I think the way she took it, and we have yet to have a full conversation since is, is more like I never trusted her all along or how could I be your safe place, but still be upset about that. Um, and that's, what's interesting to me is I thought that I was in this open communication relationship and I thought I knew like we could get past anything and the way it's felt the last couple of weeks since all this happened was like, we couldn't get past it. Like, we're not going to be able to talk to each other. Like her and I talk all the time about how asinine it is that so many people in our lives don't talk to each other. I have two first cousins that used to live together that were practically sisters that won't talk to each other. Go figure there was a guy involved. Um, And then, you know, my mother and her brother and brothers and, you know, like all these things. And, and Kai and I talk about this all the time. Like, Thank God that we're not like that. And it started to turn into like that. How can this be? Like, we're in alignment. I'm in recovery. I know my shit. Like, these are all the things going through my head. And I don't think she heard me. I don't think she heard what I was trying to say, which is, it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy in this example is because if she can't hear me, then that means she already is like checked out and she's already not who she's been all along with me, which then validates that I shouldn't trust her because she's back in this bad situation and she's not really going to listen. And I don't know that she's going to tell me the truth and blah, 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 like all this cycle. So just kind of a couple of the things that I'm learning from this is uh, one, like really take the time like I took a couple days, but then I felt like in a rush to get it resolved. Of course, I was crying and emotional and it ruined like my whole trip, but I allowed it to, I take full responsibility for that, right? Like I just couldn't let it go. I couldn't get past it. I just wanted to talk to her, have her understand my point of view. And that didn't happen. Um, she got really offended by our our call. Um, and I don't blame her. I, I've, I rewatched it and I, 
I don't think I yelled as much as I would have liked. Like I really was like asking her, like, tell me, help me understand. And I still don't understand. So then I listened to a Joel Osteen podcast along the way, right? Um, and he talks about people who make those choices, people who go back into addiction. Like, I feel like she's legit putting her life on the line. That's how I feel about this. This is not how I want it to play out, but this is what I'm afraid of. She moves to a state where it's just her and him. And he's not like, if the time they were apart, like he hit some milestones, like worked hard, saved up for a car, like showed some responsibility stuff, it'd be one thing, but none of that's happened. I can't tell that anything's different, but I'm afraid that they go to another state and they buy their weed, but they don't know their dealers or anybody in the state. And now they get fentanyl leased weed. Like, and I've talked about that, right? Like it's dangerous. And I've talked about it with her. She knows. I don't know if she thinks like medical marijuana is going to save the world or whatever, but I don't even know that she makes her own doctors. I don't, I don't know any of those things, but anyway, so what I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of her being in a strange place and, um, you know, getting in just in trouble, the wrong stuff. I'm worried about escalating from weed to what comes next. Is it Coke? Is it heroin? Is it pills? Is it, what is it? Because now in my mind, her judgment is impaired to make a choice like that and to go backwards in life when she's worked so hard to come out of it and, and, and to embrace the things that I try to show her that that's possible like the life beyond your wildest dreams stuff. Like I, I, I make sure that she's experiencing the best of things. Like when I took her to um, 10 X, you know, we got VIP so that she can have the full experience, the best um, access to the right people in the room to learn from that are, are successful, the best food, uh, you know, staying in decent hotels, not just regular like motel six, um, I try to give her these experiences and to show her and to let her make the choice. And I'm hurt because she didn't choose the way that I showed her. I thought she was gonna. So then I'm like, is this my ego? Like what's going on? And I think in her head, she probably thinks she can have the best of both worlds. It doesn't work that way. Like I'm, I'm truly a believer of we are who we hang or hang around and who we associate with. So I'm very scared about this. And the problem is we're not going to hear each other right now. It's too volatile. You know, maybe whatever amount of time, there'll be a time where we can talk about it and she'll hear me. And I'm hoping it's not after too much damage, but I was operating from a place of fear and I was also still operating from like my old belief system, my go-tos, like, what are you doing? This is irresponsible. Like you need a diploma, you need a license. You don't really need those things. And who am I to say? And I guess it comes down to, do I really still trust her, you know, to make good decisions? And my sticking point is the fact that she's making a bad decision makes me not trust her for making good decisions. So back to some methods to try to, handle this because you're not going to run into maybe the same situation, but you are going to run against people that are not in alignment with your recovery or that are making choices that you're not comfortable with. 
And what Joel said in the podcast, when someone does do things like that, like, like when she, when my mother said, like, you're going to wear that, like mom could have gave her a whole big lecture of like why she shouldn't wear that. Right. Most of us can do that is, is say our opinion and whatever. And I'm of the belief that you never change someone's mind by arguing. You just don't, I can't have my mind changed by arguing facts, conversation, perspective, open dialogue, answering questions. All of those things can change my mind, but not um, just yelling at me or loudest voice wins is what I would call it um, in the Italian households that I'd been exposed to. But anyway, so Joel said, well, what about if you just loved them through it? Love them through it. And the fear is my fear, right? And if I believe, like I tell you, that I believe in the universe and I believe that everything happens for a reason and it plays out the way it's supposed to, then I have to believe that this is going to play out the way it's supposed to. Fucking sucks. Hurts my gut. Winds me up just even thinking about relinquishing it. But what if I just love her through it? What if, what if, what if that's what I do? I don't compromise my morals or my stuff. Um, I don't know what these boundaries will look like, but they'll have to be boundaries. Um, I think one is as long as um, she's supporting him, I won't support her uh, financially. Like I'm not going to do that if I feel like by osmosis, the money's going towards drugs. Like that's just very to me and finding out that that had happened in the past. Um, of course, you know, like you don't see it that way. It's no different than when I gambled away the bill money. It wasn't the bill money until you paid the bill with it. So prior to that, it wasn't really bill money. So it was gambling money. Um, just the, the stories that we tell. Um, and I, and I may have to, you know, like, I'm going to have to love her and figure it out and like figure out what's my shit and what's her shit. And it's going to be freaking hard because it already is. It already is. But what I realized was harder was not having our relationship at all. Now, normally, normally before this happened, before this all played out, I would have said to you, like, cut him off. Don't, you know, like, don't jeopardize your recovery. And I still believe that. Um, but I'm going to try this, like, love, love her anyway through it. And what that means is me just, um, if I'm upset or I'm afraid or whatever, those are my feelings. And I'm going to have to just process them the way I would any other emotion. I mean, I've thought about drinking um and gambling the last couple of weeks as I've been on this adventure with her. Um, and it's like, no, I'm going to still show up and be the example I have to be. And that's part of where I'm struggling too, is I try to be an example. And an example to me is practicing what I preach. And I would preach that you do like the tough love and you don't enable. So I have to figure out what that looks like now, because I, I'm not going to enable her. I just I won't enable her. It's it's not in my DNA. Um, I will be rooting for her and I will love her. Uh, 
but I, I, it, it's going to have to be different. Um, so where we're at right now is this has been, I think, like I said, a week or two now. So now, yeah, we're going on two weeks since she did the message. We took the time. Um, we had that very challenging conversation. I wrote her a letter and that didn't go for well either, evidently. Um, so where I'm at, so I've tried communicating out loud. I've tried communicating written. Um, she told me she needed her space. I gave her her space. And what do I want this to look like? Do I want this to be, cause here's the deal. I want to protect my heart. That's where I'm at right now. I want to protect her and I want to protect my heart. She's one of very few that I let in the way I let in. That's part of why that guy um, is such a sticking point. I let him in and he took advantage of that. Um, and he's kind of ruined it for her on some level. Well, now I let her in and now she's going to do stuff like this. Like this, this is the choice she's going to make. But again, that's all my stuff. So now instead of writing to her or talking to her about all my feelings, I'm telling you for starters, um, but I also started writing it and this is going to have its place in the book, how we get past this. What I'm very clear on is I don't want it to be like all these other broken relationships in our family. I don't want to ever not talk to her um, or to be off. Like we got to figure out how to process this and this is going to be pretty powerful and it's probably not going to play out the way like I would imagine to. And this is going to happen in you guys' lives too. Things aren't going to go the way that you want in your relationships. The real factor is how are you going to take care of you in this? Maybe you can protect the relationship. Maybe you can't. Like some of this is going to be up to her. Like, And it's not um ultimatum stuff. Like you can do this or, or not, or like you do this, I won't talk to you. It's not like that. And I'm sure it probably came across that way in our first, um, zoom call together about it, but it's not what I meant at all. Um, but there are going to be times we have to make tough choices. And, and what does that look like? Like if my heart's going to get broken by her and my heart breaking creates urges or triggers or whatever, then I can't put myself in that situation. So maybe we talk less, or maybe we don't talk about topics that are triggering to me and get me upset that create panic and fear and worry. And I'm still learning how to identify those feelings, right? Like I, I'm not good at that still. I'm getting better. Um. So, so in the last two weeks, I've done everything from right to her, right to myself journal, meditate, listen to music, um, keep myself busy, like with, with work and, and to do's I've went, I went to the zoo, right. And I went to the zoo with the intention of just like being Zen and connecting. Um, I've listened to the podcast, you know, the Joel scene podcast, like I mentioned. Um, now those were just some of what's happened in the last two weeks, I'm sure I'm forgetting others. You know, I've talked to people. Um, I've also made the decision that I don't want to talk to people because I think that that part of what screwed me up um, with the conversation was I had too much advice and I shouldn't have done that. Excuse me. Um, I'm not tired of the topic. It's, 
I think just being in this hotel room anyway. So I will do what I need to, to protect myself. Um, one of, one of the things that I'm wrestling with now is like the next steps. So here's the approach that I'm taking. We had a standing meeting on the calendar to meet once a week for the book. Um, after I gave her her time um, and she, she's kind of written to me and expressed, that's how I know that she's more offended by our conversation than how I meant. Um, and now that I've had some time to reflect, I realized that part of my reactions are because of being damaged by that guy or being going through that experience um, and like equating her behavior to that. And I'm really pretty passionate about weed being one of the variables. It freaking changes my relationships. It really does. I seen what it did to her during high school. I seen what it did to him. Like that's probably the biggest reason I don't talk to him anymore is because he went from gummies from a bad back to uh, like stoned is the natural way of life. And I just can't, that's why I'm so curious about weed because I watch these people and how they're impacted and um, they don't think they're being impacted. That's the freaking illusion of addiction, right? You don't think anything's changing. You can't usually see it when you're in it. And, and maybe, well, I just had an aha moment guys. Um, and that's probably a big part of why I can't identify my emotions because I wasn't ever processing my emotions. I was gambling or drinking them away. Um, and I think that that's what the weed does. But that's what doesn't make sense either. Cause Kaya said to me like, oh no, I know I need to process my emotions. So I won't smoke until after she does whatever she does to process. So at any rate, so now what does it look like going forward? So I asked her today and I, before I even reached out to her, I had this mental conversation with myself. I did a couple of self-care things. I went and tanned um, and I was like, I'm going to reach out to her, but I can't let what her response is make me feel any kind of way, right? Like I had to take control of that. So I was like, okay, if she agrees to what I'm about to say, great. If she doesn't, that's fine. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, so I messaged her and said, Hey, you know, like we have this time on our, on the calendar, um, I can probably meet you today and I can meet you next Friday uh, because of the way my work schedule goes. After that, I'm going to be around too many people and it's going to blow up and I know all that. So at least it's not two weeks from now if she decides she wants to talk to me and I don't have the ability. I I put out, okay, do you want to meet? She wrote back, she had plans today, but we can plan on next week. So then we're just going to take it from there. Hopefully by then the emotions the heightened emotions, the sensitivity, the taking it personally, the fear, the the exaggerated emotions will hopefully become. I don't know what it's going to look like next week. I just know that I am going to take the advice of Joel and I'm just going to love her through it. Like I'm going to love her through it. And I'm going to be here when she gets to the other side of it. I don't have to be there for every step of the way while she's going through it. Um, and I did say that too, like, what are you, you're going to like abandon all of us. And then you're going to expect us to be there to pick up the pieces. Now, if you're an adult and a parent, or you're anybody who's went through any of this stuff, we all know that's what's going to happen, right? Like if she makes it to the other side, that's, what's going to be. The story never changes. He's not going to get more responsible. He's not going to uh, take care of her. They're not going to quit weed together. They're like all those, those stories just don't, 
I don't know very many people that have ever had that story on it. I don't think I know anybody that has that story. Um, it could be out there. God, I hope it's out there. That's really scary, but I've never heard a happy ending from that perspective. Um, more often than not, I see people in recovery, um, you know, like one of the people get in recovery, uh, and they're changing and growing. So usually they don't align with their partner after I don't, I've never seen anybody like quit together and go through recovery together. I do know some couples that are in recovery, both, but I don't think I know any that started together and went to recovery together. They met in recovery. They were more aligned, right? Like back to that alignment thing. Um, all that to say, I'm pretty confident that this story is not going to have an happy ending. Like as far as changing or whatever, she, I have to have faith that everything I've shown her, the, the better way of life that we deserve more, that we're worth more, we're worth yachts and private jets. And, and of course I'm exaggerating right now, but we deserve more and we're capable of having whatever we want. I have to just hope that that sticks with her and that's made enough of an impression that after so much time or so much bullshit, she's just going to realize it and get out again. But if she doesn't, that's another whole story, but I got to have faith and I got to, I like that perspective again. Like this isn't like, I don't go to Joel's church or anything. Um, well, even if I did, that wouldn't matter. I have gone to some that like are part of his, whatever. Anyway, um, this is not to preach about like Joel knows everything or whatever, but I will say that these principles, uh, I guess would be a coping mechanism for me. So that principle and that having faith um, and expecting it to be better on the other side or that it's happening for a reason that I will buy into. And that's going to be my coping mechanism for now. And hopefully when we connect, we can have a conversation like at this tone of voice uh, and not the, um, and for her, you know, she shuts down. I get more blah, and she gets more like, so I have to be very mindful of what the voices in my head are saying and are they true and are they just based on BS? What does that look like? So, yeah. So those are some of my coping mechanisms, some of my blind spots. Relationships are tough. It's tough. But I will say that when you do start making the choices, like if you want to live a bet-free life, a sober life, whatever the life is, without the addiction um, dictating your life, you, you start to attract the kind of people that want the same kinds of things or um, that get you. Again, not every day is perfect, but as long as you have an open mind and open heart, you can navigate everything and just know you can't control anybody else. I, I can't control her. I can't control him. I can't control any of any of those things. And um, accepting that's pretty hard, but Again, us people in recovery get to use the serenity prayer and uh, keep ourselves in line. So I hope that helps. I hope that if you're going through something with a challenging relationship, 
um, that you find your tools that work for you, whether it's writing or journaling or talking to them or having time or listening to music or going for a walk or whatever the things are. I hope that you have things. And if you don't know what your go-to things are, play, like go try some new things that you've never tried before. Maybe it is take a walk. Maybe it is go see some animals. Um, Animals make you happy, like, or they make me happy. Not snakes so much, but find things, go explore to see what brings you joy or what brings you quiet so that you can process and digest. And maybe it's, you know, doing a spin class to burn off anger and frustration, or maybe it's, um, going kayaking to get some chill on the water and and get back calm, whatever that is, but just, just try and have fun and, um, know that all the challenges really do have a cool side. Like the other side is, is usually very informative to what we've learned along the way. Maybe not obvious every time, every second, but, um, and then let's say you don't have any of this going on right now. No chaos. Every relationship's perfect. Your job's going well. Your relationships are going well. Life's going well. Acknowledge it guys. Be grateful. Take notice. Like now that I'm through some of the calm of it, even though that's there. Um, and even though the job's ramping up to be super stressful, it's just like, Oh, I can handle this. Oh, I'm going to learn from this. Oh, I'm grateful that I even have a chance, right? Because I'm living to live. I'm not living to just go through the motions and not experience stuff. So I am going to experience pain and rougher days and uh, speed bumps so that I can appreciate the good ones. So if you're not going through anything, just appreciate the good ones. Well, that's what I got for you today, beautiful people. Thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you next time.